Welcome to another episode of Crouching Tiger Hidden Podcast. I am your host, Dave, and I'm here with Charles. How's it going, Charles? Good, thank you. Um, we're going to cover uh, House of Flying Daggers today. This was a uh, 2002 film directed by Zhang Yimo. And um, he, he previously um, directed Hero. So we kind of have a bridge with one of the other films we've covered. Yep. Well, actually on that, this is another case of two films coming out in the same year, isn't it? Uh, this came out two years after Hero. Uh, or no, the year after. Because I, I may have got the year wrong. I think it's maybe 2004. Uh, okay. Um, but they do have a quick turnaround, these, some of these Chinese film directors. <laughs> they do. And he may have, I mean, they may have been filming it back to back. I'm sure yeah. Hong Kong just, just tosses stuff out really fast. <laughs> Yeah, it was just interesting. So I know we had, uh, yeah, Drunken Master and uh, Snake and the Eagle Shadow was, was the same year. Yeah, those, yeah, those were was, the same year. This was 2004. It was released. Yeah, I missed, I made a typo. My bad, addressing that, making <laughs> you up. Um, it's half the fun of podcasting. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then Curse of the Golden Flower. Yes, he um, he directed that in 2006. Uh, that one had um, Chow Yun-Fat in it. And so that was nice. another... Um, th- these are all uh, Wuxia films, so they're like period piece um, martial art films. So nothing contemporary. Um, when I was... Um, we were discussing recording this one, I think in my memory, I had blended these two films together. And just seeing that title now and maybe realize that's what I had done before I'd watched, we rewatched it this week, um, which is interesting. And they are they, very similar style. Yeah, they're, they're, um, aesthetically, I mean, even with Hero, they're all kind of tied together. And they have just really colorful, like, palettes and everything. It's like a signature of the director. He just yes. likes yep. crazy colors. And that's, that's cool. I mean, it's much more interesting visually. Well, yeah, I like a good dark, gritty movie at times, but it also that bright, vibrant pop with the, the colors he pulls off in his films is, is also very unpleasing to watch and very enjoyable. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's a nice contrast to the like the dour <laughs> subject matter we get in all, <laughs> all of his films. Actually, they're not they don't have happy endings as far as like Western film is concerned. Well, that's, that's, I that's think okay. I see this with Hero. <laughs> Is that that they're a tragedy? Um, yeah, and this film, The House of Flying Daggers, is very Shakespearean. Um, it, it's really it's a Romeo and Juliet esque. Yeah. Um, I, I was hesitant to. I was thinking of that when I was watching the film, and I was hesitant to mention that because I was expecting you to say, "Well, it is based on such and such a play," <laughs> and I'm glad it's not. Well, it, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> or inspired I, by. I um. um I I watched uh, the last half of the movie with a commentary on. It was um, Zhang Yimou and Zhang Yiji. So they were both like commenting the entire film. I, I If I had more time, I would have watched the whole thing with it because it was really interesting. Um, they had a lot of uh, perspective for the characters and everything. Nice. Um, I guess we missed off the last film that we Dan did. Great Wall. The Great Wall. Yeah, that came out last year to, to date our podcast, 2016. Did, did you see that? Is that the... Yeah, probably. Matt Damon. 
Yeah, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> um, is it yeah. good? Because I didn't even realize it'd come out. I had seen it, and it looks visually cool. But then I was like, why do they have a white guy in China? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't watch it either. Um, I'll probably catch it on Netflix or something. Because, I mean, I, just for the director. Very spectacular. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. it, it has the, um, it's very monster driven. Yeah. Film. So I'm actually quite intrigued by it. No, I mean, it It, it looks cool if it just didn't have Matt Damon. But that's it. Matt, Matt Damon does usually do a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, nothing against him. It's just like random white guy again. I mean, thanks. Great. Yeah. It, it, it was strange. But from what I gathered, it's also not set. It's set in our world, but not in our world. It's like an alternative. I yeah, know. I mean, they. Uh, I think the basic premise of the film is they they built the Great Wall to keep out monsters from China, or at least yeah. um, the capital. So, I, but I think it's supposed to be historically there have been waves of monsters every so many years. They they wake up. Um, I guess like the aliens in Pitch Black, they just pop up every now and then and attack. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they had time to build the wall in between whenever they, um, they, the monsters rise up again. Yeah. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll give it a watch when it's either free or not movie priced. Yep. Fair enough. Well, maybe we can have it as a side note, one of our episodes in the future. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All cool. right. Um, so that's, that's the director's, uh, related films. Um, our cast, uh, I mentioned briefly, um, Zhang Ziyi. So we just also talked about her in Hero. Um, she was the apprentice uh, for Broken Sword in Hero. Yep. But um, previously, or I guess her, her first big role was in um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000. And uh, a surprise um, appearance, she was the villain in uh, Rush Hour 2 in 2001 with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah, she's very talented. Um, I'm surprised uh, she hasn't seen her in more things in the West. She does a lot of dramas. Like, when I looked at her filmography, there's she, it's much larger, but everything she does, a lot of, of drama course, roles, yeah. which is good. I mean something just different than being typecast. Um, her, one of her uh, most recent films was uh, the 2013's um, The Grand Master. Uh, i recall who else was in it, but that's another um, uh, Yip Man uh, movie. Kind of ah, okay. wrapping up that uh, five films about Yip Man that popped out in the, the last few years. This one didn't have that, Donnie Yen. <laughs> this isn't the same series, though, is it? This is just a reimagining of the it's, same um, that's being reimagined. It's later in his life, like when he's much okay. older. So, yeah, it's not it's not connected to um, one, two, or three. Yep. It says, um, I, I believe Anthony Wong um, played Yip Man in this one. I, I haven't seen it. It, it looked really good. And um, the Wong Kar Wai, I think, is the director. Um, whose cinematography also is really good. So, I mean, just for that, it's probably worth a watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the poster. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember watching the trailer. I think it was on Netflix. I just, I don't know, it just sat in my queue and 
faded away. <laughs> I just didn't get around to it. But uh, I remember yeah. the, the preview being pretty cool. Yeah. As I say, she's a very talented actress. Uh, she's actually, um, yeah, pretty good. I, I think she does a very good job of her roles. And she's also very, in the martial art realm, very talented. And has got yeah. some sweet moves. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool um, kind of poses and just, like, doing the splits, but, like, vertically in the air um, in uh, House of Flying Daggers. I had yeah. forgotten she could do that. I was like, wow, that's that's cool. <laughs> that's pretty impressive, yeah. Um, she reminds me of the, cat, the Tekken character. Uh, what's her name? Starts with X. Dang it. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> um, she or something. something. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think it was like Pi from uh, Virtual Fighter. Oh, yeah. He's the old man, though, wasn't he? He's the... Oh, um... What's the... Who's the old man? Is Pi the old man? I thought Pi was the one with the little hat. Ah, it's been yeah. forever since I played yeah, Virtual yeah. Fighter. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, she's very cool. Yeah. And, uh... So next we have um, Andy Lau, who's a uh, personal favorite. I, I, In fact, I... I listed his martial arts films, um, but I like him more for his um, crime dramas. I mean, he he just does a really good, like a either a, a criminal or a good cop role, which we see both in this movie. So um, one of his first films uh, was um, 1984's *My Lucky Stars* two uh, had Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan. Then again, he's oh, in okay. um, Lucky Stars Go Places in '86, uh, just with Sammo Hung, which I think I think Sammo Hung directed those movies too. And um, we see him again in Legend of Drunken Master uh, in 1994 with uh, Mr. Jackie Chan. We'll probably have to cover that one. That's a, that was a sort of a remake, too. you know, more slightly more contemporary um, version of uh, the Drunken Master story. Is that the one where he drinks like, um, like pure alcohol? Yeah, and it like drunk. is burning him. Like he he's he's like spitting it out, or it makes <laughs> him drunk in like one sip or something. It's been a long time. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll have to watch that. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, um, and then, he's done some really cool yeah. films. They, he has. I mean, he's been in a lot of those, and um, he's he's. Um, uh, it's not really funnily, but um, he's equally, or even like Jackie Chan, more better known, um, especially in um, Canton and Hong Kong, uh, as a singer uh, more than an actor. I love how like the other they tend to be because even Jackie Chan, yeah, is, he's, is a he does canto pop. I mean, it's that's what he's done for a long time. There, it's that triple threat idea. So they do acting singing dancing that's just what you're supposed to do if you're in the media yeah it's kind of it's it's interesting i guess we do that in the west as well all our the teen stars end up becoming yeah i mean ours is well. i think ours is the other way um it, it feels like they get their start in acting and then they branch out into singing here i feel yeah. like a lot of singers go into acting i mean look at uh mark Wahlberg. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, you, then you get like Selena Gomez. She yeah. like starts as a child star and goes into singing because she's famous already. Yeah, well, that's that whole um, like Disney machine, you know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so, yeah, it's very. I mean, he's, 
actually looking at some of his, I'm looking at his um, headshots. He's a handsome man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just Google I mean, his name. Uh, that's, that's why I, um, I, I think I tossed it up on Twitter. We didn't get any bites, but um, I was like, oh, yo, who's the more, the handsomest guy, you know, Takeshi Kanshiro or Andy Lau. Most people were like, who are you talking about? <laughs> I know. I, th- I think that's what happened. I don't think anyone else has seen this movie. <laughs> or if they had, we didn't get, you know, specific enough questions. Next time. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah. But I, yeah. Yeah, so um, then Andy Lau, he's in Warlords. Um, in 2007, uh, that was with Jet Li. Um, it's more of a period piece, so there's not a whole lot of martial arts, but they are swinging swords around, so that was good enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, Look, sounds cool. Um, I'm just looking at, looking at some shots. Is that him in the film? Uh, it was remade in the West. Um, it's got a really bad translator, and it was really... Inferno Affairs. Yes. Is that him? Yeah. Um, oh, that was such a good movie. He's the main... In, uh, well, the the two, they're not brothers, but they're brothers. So yeah, he's yeah, the police one, and uh, who was it? Ekin Chang or somebody was the um, the guy that ended up going into the triads. Yeah. So well, I mean, technically, he's the bad guy. So he's the triad that was planted on into the police. Yeah, such yeah. a good film. No, they're really good. I I had watched. Um, I think I had old crappy like Hong Kong uh dvd versions of infernal affairs when it came out and there wasn't any subtitles so i just watched it uh i I think i got it from my um my buddy at the time um he was here studying abroad from china so he was just kind of like translating bits of it for me i was like i kind of got it dude i can see what's going on they're just shooting each other yeah (laughs) (laughs) no such a good film and it got remade um was, yeah. was it Matt Damon? Um, he... No, was, was it Matt Damon? No, the Mark Wahlberg, wasn't it? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg sounds right. I think it's Mark Wahlberg yeah. and um, DiCaprio. Yeah, that sounds right. And Jack Nicholson. Um, was it Scorsese? I think it's, it might have been a Scorsese directed it. I don't, I don't remember. And it's called The Departed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you mean The Departed. Matt Damon. Oh, I could have sworn it was Mark Wahlberg. Oh, you know, maybe, maybe um maybe his brother Danny Wahlberg is in there. In the in the second one. Oh, Mark Wahlberg's in there as well. Yes, you're oh, right. Mark oh, Wahlberg's there we go. There. I don't know. It's a bunch of white dudes, they all look the same, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, no, that was another good Good. That was a good film too, but I prefer the original. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, I, I like both of them, but uh, I don't know. Just seemed like well, Infernal Affairs three was pretty crappy, but one and two were good. Be. Yeah, they just were just cashing in on the name by then. You know, but we're we're getting these loops. We're getting like we're talking about directors, and then Matt Damon being in his most recent I, film. Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> there's just something about that guy. Matt Damon. Maybe from Software has something right when it comes to cycles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're we're talking about Dark Souls. Oh my goodness! Sorry, I always have to. It's pretty. That's okay. That's okay. Um. So, uh, let's finish off uh, Mr. Lau's filmography here. 
Oh, yeah. He well, I guess to bring it back around, he's also in the Great Wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> in podcast. <laughs> oh, we're done. It's a oh. perfect triangle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we really need to see the the, the Great Wall now. It's yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll watch it. It's, it's a, there's enough people in the director and everything. We can talk about Matt yeah. Damon. Or Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Who's in there? I think it's Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. It's the same it's guy. Yep. Yeah. So, um, um, well, I brought him up briefly. Takeshi Kaneshiro. So, he's in Executioners in 93. Um, he was with Michelle Yeoh in that film. Um, that one's pretty fun. Uh, I want to say it's the sequel to Heroic Trio. Um, I think it's been a while since I watched it. It's just a good, um, contemporary, uh, crime caper movie. Then he's in, um, Dr. Y in the scripture with no words with Jet Li. He's, he's, he actually is in movies with everybody, but (laughs) at the time that, that was his start. And then, um, I tossed these in here. Um, he's, He's the voice actor and the model for the main character in the Onimusha Warlords game and then number three, um, Onimusha Demon Siege in 2003. Uh, they're, Which is awesome. I mean, they're pretty cool games. It's been a while since I played them. Chris yeah, was uh, tossing a bunch of screenshots up, so figured I'd mention those since it's related. No, it's and really cool. uh, yeah, oh look, surprise! He's also in the Warlords. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get away from this. <laughs> we can't. We, these guys are all tied together. Um, then he's in um, Red Cliff One and Two, which it's really one movie, just part two of the same like six-hour-long epic. Um, those are directed by John Woo. And it's uh, also like period peace films, um, these giant uh, historic battles uh, during the Three Kingdoms era. It's pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if you've seen those. Um, they're long. No, I have like, actually. I know. I think they were on Netflix. They might still be, maybe. But uh, I like the color palette. It's it's the films we're talking about, and House Flying Daggers is very um, bright and colorful. Um, and very lots of greens. Yeah, greens it's, it's the same thing with colors. those the red clip. I mean, that's cinematography weird, vivid. Based. Yes, yeah, like all the military uniforms, very red. Mm. The, the scenery is red. The lighting is has a red tinge to it. Lots of sunsets and looks cool. Yeah, um, I know the Warlords. I did watch that when it came out. That's gray. Everything is gray, gray. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that's also a pretty depressing movie. It's one of those ones where nobody, you know, nobody wins. wins in the end. Yeah. And then, like the uh, yeah, I'm, I, I like to watch them. I mean, apparently the the, the Chinese uh, film industry likes to make them too. So <laughs> they're popular. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's that whole um, the martial world, um, Zhang Hu 
that idea of heroic sacrifice, heroic bloodshed, even in um, the the Infernal Affairs and some of the just, you know, run and gun John Woo movies, that's the brotherhood is the biggest like theme. And mm. um, we get a little bit of that in House on Flying Daggers, just that idea of these connections of family and uh, service to the the emperor, I guess, really. Yeah. Western culture, we have our, we like our tragedies as well, I guess. Like Shakespeare's became famous on them. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not just in, yeah, not just in the, in the East, in the West as well. Um, and we've got one more actor we, word yeah. to discuss. Um, just really briefly, uh, it's Dan Dan Song. It's really the only other, like, named character in the film. Um, this is Yi, and for some, for some reason, I, I watched this in Chinese, and the subtitles had her as Nia, but that's not what they were saying. Must have been Yi. <laughs> so I don't know why they said Nia, but she's the fake Yi. <laughs> so this is the um, proprietress of the Peony Pavilion, which the kind of opens the film, at least the the biggest scene. Yeah, very dramatic start. Uh, before we dive into that, do we want to look at how it was received at the time? Yeah, let's go ahead. What did you dig up? Um, we have... Well, I like to take your estimates. Uh, what do you think it rated? Uh, I remember it did really well. I mean, it was off of the back of um, Hero and uh, Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I, uh, yep. They tailored this film a little bit more toward a Western release. I, I remember kind of reading um, at the time. Probably like 85. Yeah, good, good effort. Uh, we've got IMDB is 7.6, but that is uh, much lower than our other two sources. As Meta, Meta, Meta score from Metacritic is 89. Hmm. And Rotten Tomatoes has it at 88. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm usually pretty pretty close on my, my guesses. Yeah, no, you're very good. Um, that's why I like doing it. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till um, I'm yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're way off. You're going to say it was like <laughs> terrible and it'll be awesome. Um, where would you like to start today? Uh, good review or bad review? Let's let's flip it. Um, do the good one first. Let's go good. Okay. Uh, so again, I choose these based on the highest and lowest ratings. Uh, I try not to read them so I can be surprised. So if I stumble over sentences, I apologize. Um, but this one is titled, Without a Doubt, Hollywood is Going Down. And I enjoyed <laughs> that title because I don't really think that's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I guess we can answer that's not true because we're 12 years on and Hollywood's still kicking. Yeah. Um, so this is from author um, Aurum Starfinder from United Kingdom. I have never, ever seen a film that the West has ever created that can top Chinese cinema in this form, with the exception possibly being Lord of the Rings. Yes, little plug for New Zealand there, <laughs> New Zealand film. I truly applaud Oriental taste. I can't count the number of times I have completely forgotten that I've actually got my own physical form while watching films like <laughs> House of Flying Daggers. This is better than I expected. 
but I can count how many times that's happened during Western films. Zero. <laughs> For those of you who have no have no taste, I beg you. But sorry, I've got to start that again. This is a weird sentence. For those of you who have no taste, I beg you. Colon. But aside, put but aside. I've seen saying put put aside your views on gravity fire, gravity defying fight scenes and subtitles. Just remember that this is something called fantasy. It isn't real. No matter how much you wish it to be, it's called cinema. You can do whatever the hell you like in film. I don't complain when you've got aliens that spurt out your chest. I don't complain when the dead rise from their graves. I don't complain about the lack of of reason behind the ideas that aliens would have less intelligence than humans or that the living dead would harbor grudges against the the really living. <laughs> I complain when it just looks simply uninspiring and frankly, visually boring. So Zhang Yi Mo, Mo, please bring one more heroes and flying, bring on more heroes and flying daggers. So a positive review with a little rant. <laughs> yeah, and and some some biases. Uh, that was interesting. I yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I was pretty aware of my physical form while I watched this film. How about how about you, Bader? Well, yeah, <laughs> forgot that actually had my yeah. That's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I can't say that happened to me. I didn't have any out of body experiences. Uh, I didn't transcend or twinkle <laughs> or, um, yeah, be enlightened. But it was a good. It is a good film. It, it really feels like this person's been hassled in real life about liking Chinese film, which I can relate to because I'm sure I had friends, especially with, especially when you relate that to anime, Japanese cartoons. Mm, a lot of my friends yeah. are like, "What are you watching cartoons for?" What are you watching? Come so because I can relate fun. to that. <laughs> exactly. Is what is my answer. Um, and so I can, yeah, but obviously he's, yeah, which is fine because I'm glad he liked it because it is a good film. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just an interesting way to take a dig at other films. But <laughs> Okay. Are we ready for the bad? I'm ready. Uh, this title is even better in some ways. What a load of tosh. (laughs) (laughs) When did this one get posted? 2005. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, This review may contain spoilers. Uh, (laughs) Simply put, I didn't believe in the world laid out before me at all. That's really weird. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Big spoilers follow. I couldn't accept a world where anyone could throw four knives simultaneously <laughs> over 30 meters. Have them curve and have... Th- Who said they have to believe this? Maybe that last review was in retort to this one directly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, and have them curve. What was that stupid film with Angelina Joel Lee where they oh, bend Oh, my God. Um, assassins? No, that's not right. Um, but no one... Bullet, no one asked you to believe that either. Benders? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to get flagged for that. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid movie. Um, but it, yeah, no one asked him to believe it. And sorry, continue reading. I, I like to 
interject, um, and have them each hit different targets with pinpoint better than laser guided accuracy. Yeah, I, I've got things to say about this. Uh, I also <laughs> didn't buy into their ability to fly. They were flying. They yeah, were jumping very little from flying. They were jumping from bamboo to bamboo. They were very agile ninjas. Well, again, I know ninjas are Japanese. I'm just using that as a reference. (laughs) No one called me out. Um, Yeah. I didn't buy it uh, (laughs) from bamboo stalk to bamboo stalk. They were jumping. Well, and it was stylistic. It was supposed to be, it's almost like a play. Like you don't see people do all the actual real stunts and fight scenes in a play. It's all stylized. It's very much the same with us. Yeah. It's very much like this in this film. It's it's supposed to depict something. Oh, sorry, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Every time. I should not bring it in here. Sorry, guys. Um, where, where, where was I? Well, throwing bamboo spear. The bamboo throwing spears was awesome. Yeah. I don't know all the guys. It was so cool. Yeah, we'll get onto that. Which they were cutting from the stalks of bamboo as they're flying, which didn't suffer f- from niggly little effects such as gravity (laughs) well the people well the people didn't so why why should the bamboo spears what i'm confused too hard i didn't buy that someone who isn't blind could force themselves to act blind (laughs) how can you not believe that she did it she did such a good job at acting like a blind person even it while surprised having, me. having a half dozen sword spears, bamboo javelins thrust at her. She did it because those were real swords that were thrust at her. It was called stunt work. <laughs> but she still had that stare. She was fantastic. Um, I couldn't accept that a highly trained super ninja assassin, he did it too. It's not just me. <laughs> super ninja assassin would throw her sword at an incoming knife to knock it out of the air when she could have swung her sword and battered them out. And this guy's just nitpicking out of the air with less difficulty. I didn't, didn't believe in a world where a guy, this is, is going to keep going. A guy could fight on with a knife in his back for over 10 minutes, getting cut in the ribs by a big sword in a blizzard then pull the knife out and then wander off while a woman, highly tough assassin type, couldn't survive simply getting hit in the chest with a knife. The the knife hit her like right where the heart is. And it's like a four inch blade, which this guy's already established. I know it's the foot. No, yeah, I don't know. The fight scenes were comically farcical, (laughs) were staged in a world which was trying to be taken seriously. I think either on their own would have been fine, but the combination jarred me out of the sus- suspension of disbelief over and over until I finally stopped trying to get into it uh, and admitted to defeat. Watching the interesting locations was my only comfort, despite them frequently being obscured by spinning lo- spinning loons. <laughs> <laughs> until at the end, when the director even de- depraved me of that the luxury by blanking everything out was snow, but snow scenes are amazing. Anyway, bad review. <laughs> I give this review half a star out of 10. 
This is a terrible review. Yeah. All right. All right. Whoever wrote this, we're calling you out. It's like 10 years later. You wrote a bad review. <laughs> yeah. Bad review. Sleater one from Cardiff. <laughs> I like my Welsh people, but yeah, I'm not, not impressed with you. Um, yeah, that was a weird review. Why was Sorry. he watching the movie? Yeah. Like, no, whatever. I've got things to say about it though. Like, I the 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 really over the top fighting and the the flying to me it is these are legends that are being told, and so as all legends they get retold and get grander than they ever were, um, and so that to me this is just the, the telling of legends like like we do we we have in most cultures around the world we have these legends of these gods or these uh, great people. Uh, which were based probably based on truth or, or based on someone at some point, but over time they've become greater than they were originally. Uh, and yeah, I'm thinking of like Hercules and things like that. Like he yeah. probably was some really strong dude, and over time it be- he became a, a demigod or a half god, whatever he is. Uh, and so when I see these people being amazingly and superhuman, it's just that it's the legend has got greater than the actual story it was yeah and and so i enjoy that aspect of it and again i'm apologizing in advance that's why i actually am an apologist of dark souls 3 to some extent is because it's it's told in and it's retold stories that have got greater or, or more important over time is because yeah over over history things change and, and change and and get grander um so yeah i i like the over the top style um, and find it cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know I if mean, I explain that concept well, but yeah, that's... you are. It's, it's um, the same. I mean, they they made this movie as not really an answer, um, but a continuation of what made Hero uh, do so well at the box office and and Crouch Tiger Hidden Dragon. Uh, Iron Monkey, um, the the movies that came out around that same time. But, I mean, these tropes are, a lot of this comes from, you know, picking opera, um, traditional Mm. um, uh, wuxia, like, literature. People are able to do these moves in the stories, in um, the, uh, what is it, Um, 108 stars, uh, Suikoden, so the, those legends, the water margin, all that stuff um, has people able to do these, you know, these great feats of strength or skill. It's just a testament to the emphasis that's put on work, like the the effort you put into something will yield these results or, you know, a result. In in this case, that's, yes, jumping from bamboo to bamboo or throwing daggers with very good accuracy <laughs> you know it's it's exaggerated of course but that's what people want to watch because it's it's not real life it's a fantasy well, and yeah. an entertaining one exactly um and as you said there are people who are very skilled and this is just the retelling of it and it's become as i it's yeah, becoming greater than it was yeah but that doesn't take away from the original because I'm sure these are based on some kind of legends to some extent. A lot of these Chinese stories and these movies are based on. 
Yeah. Oh, um, uh, that's one thing I did want to bring up. Um, when I watching this movie and then I got to the end of it and I realized I wanted to see more stories in this, in this world, but like maybe a prologue, like adventures of these mm. characters before they got to where they were, because, you know, it, it's very insular. The, um, the plot itself is, it's, it's just really revolving around these, you know, four characters, but even in the film, to kind of flesh it out, they make references constantly to like events that have happened, significant ones um, prior to the film. What what the things that lead up to what's going on right now? I was almost more interested in the stuff that happened before. Like, how did this really, you know, how did this pan out? And uh, yeah, I would I would totally watch, you know, like a prequel. Yeah, well, I, I agree. It's you're right. It's very insular. Um, it, we're dealing with like three or four characters within this huge conflict um, and we don't really see much of everything else like we see it from a very micro level yeah. which is very interesting uh, and it's a very pointed micro level because they're kind of at the spearhead of, of the situation in some ways but it, yeah, it, it would be interesting to kind of learn more about the, the House of Flying Daggers and how they came about and um, and I guess in, in some ways, heroes would could be considered very similar to that as well. It'd be interesting to learn more about the, yeah, the surrounding effects. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a good point. Pretty good point. Yeah, with like hero, hero was uh, a little bit more macro. Like this is even smaller yes, was, yeah. because that, yeah, you're right. just because that involves like the the, the king at the time. So you're getting yeah. a head of state. Uh, you know, versus like this has nothing to do with anybody, but directly, you know, these these four characters, three of them. Even, really. they, even, they mention a general, don't they? But you yeah, but he's him. not on screen. So. Yeah, you never hear of him. It's Mm-mm. just yeah, and whether or not that was yeah actually true, or if it's just part of the misleading of the different double double agents that we we have here. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah, very interesting um, stuff. Hey, but one more point about this bad review: <laughs> it's not believable in Western films for a dude to get shot and then keep play, keep fighting and winning the day. We see that all the time in Western films: dudes getting shot. You get shot, even if it's a glancing shot, you, that hurts. I'm sure that hurts bad, <laughs> and you ain't gonna keep fighting on. Um, but they do all the time in Western films, so I'm sure a dude can handle a knife in his back. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess. Uh, oh no, we'll, we'll get around to that to that particular scene because it's it's very pivotal and there's a lot going on. So we'll uh, yep, we'll catch is. up with that. Um, I guess to to start us off with the actual film, we've been sort of dancing around it. Um, so the main plot, or I guess the the circumstances that the film revolves around, is um, it's it's set in. Uh, 895 AD. Uh, it's during the um, the decline of the Tang Dynasty. Um, the imperial control sort of like lessened um, a- a- across China, and it's lot, it's sort of becoming it's well it's going to become like a warlord uh, states, but um, for now it's a lot of corrupt officials, and the people just aren't sort of like sort of civil unrest, but it's being tamped down. Um, by these, um, what would they be called? Uh, 
sort of prefect uh, sort of armies, I guess. They're like little, they're not private armies, but they're they're smaller than like the national army or something. Yep. They're kind of like local, like police. Lo- local police. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the easiest thing to go with. Um, so the, the local little constabularies, maybe that's what we want to use, um, are dealing with this rebel group, the Flying Daggers, which is where we get House of the Flying Daggers title from. Um, they, they, so you refer to them as a local, um, threat, but they, they seem to be a quite a substantial threat. They're, they're local to each prefect or another little district. I see. It, it's yeah, a yeah. large organization as far as what the movie like uh, hints at. Like this Implies, is just yes, like yes. a chapter of them. Okay, I get you getting it. Yeah. So I guess house in this instance is is the the chapter or the local group. You know the the branch of this organization. It would be. Um, Historically, I guess compared to like the yellow turbans um, or the boxers in the Boxer Rebellion, maybe a little bit more successful than the Boxer Rebellion because that didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, yeah, it, that's fair enough. You can continue. Yeah. Like, well, so it's sorry. it's a rebel group that's giving the government a, you know a, a lot of trouble. Um, well, and it's, I guess it's, a, it's a guerrilla warfare style. Yes. They're not out in the open who are fighting openly. They are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, being, the the, the officials, I mean, they don't even know who they are. Everyone kind of wears masks and, like, those sweet giant bamboo hats. So you can't really ever see who they are. They just have to guess. And there's rumors of, you know, oh, we've heard of uh, one of the Flying Dagger members is, you know, at this brothel. That's kind of where the story starts out. As I say, yeah, they they seem they integrate with normal society, and so they could be anyone. Yeah, um, which is very much like we've mentioned ninja, uh, ninja, the legends of ninja in Japan are very much like that. It could be anybody who could be ninja because they would still go about their daily lives. Who's the one of the shoguns or something had? Had trained had a trained ninja as or well, ninja type warriors as his gardeners. Yeah, I mean they they're they're a specific case of warrior. Uh, the the ninjas are yeah, and um, they're you know they're they're trained for that subterfuge. Um, you know, his, historically they don't wear what we. You know, picture is the, the ninja yeah. garb. They're just normal. You're just gonna see it like it's a yeah. farmer. I mean, on average, that's who it's going to be, dressed as a farmer or maybe a peddler, or, um, yeah. something like that. And so, you know, they would use that disguise, which, um, you know, we we see in in this film, um, the flying daggers exactly. are implied to have those kind of roles. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, much to um, the um. Condes, much to the uh, the trouble of the uh, constabulary. Yes, um, and that, and that's why also they're so successful is because yeah the they're able to disrupt anything because yeah they're getting everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. 
And I think it's also, a, you know, an issue because the government itself is, you know, it's corrupt, it's fractured. Uh, each of the local groups doesn't always, and we see in the film, work directly with the other groups. I mean, it's kind of, there's a lot of opposition and probably, you know, bribery and who knows what going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, this opening scene is pretty impressive. Just the set and the environment that it's based in. Not the direct opening scene, the one that leads into it. The, yeah. Yeah, the second scene, I guess. The, 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 <laughs> the um, Peony Pavilion. It's just so visually um, just, I don't know, spectacular, over the top, hard to kind of take in because of the detail. Uh, it, it It's just amazing that they, I'm assuming it's a set that they made. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the detail that they went to, to like, yeah, like it was just, it was just amazing. <laughs> I, I can't describe it. And then even the, you bring in all the, the costumes that into it, it just fascinating to, to watch and see. Um, yeah. Breathtaking. Yeah. I know. Um, when I was, cause I, I saw this, um, in the theater when it came out, but I, I haven't watched it in years. So just, it really was today um watching it for the show i uh it's the first time i'd seen it in you know 15 years or thereabout and um it's still you know really striking um i didn't get that feeling that we got when we watched the one where it aged poorly um this does feature some uh, cg but it's really well done it was very well done. No, it was, yeah, I, I, agree. I, I only knew it was CG because they would have killed the actors, you know, if someone made a mistake <laughs> otherwise. Um, but, but, I mean... Yeah, like, like, go ahead. Some of the dagger scenes clearly look like CG, but they were yeah. still very crisp and clear. Um, they weren't as aged as the one. No, it's not enough and, to pull you out of it. No, and, yeah, very impressive. Um, yeah, for its time. Yeah. Oh, um lost the point um so in the in the first scene uh well the the, the major scene in the peony pavilion so it's a it's a house of pleasure you know a brothel um this this is sort of cast uh in a similar light as you would see like uh, a geisha establishment where it's it's not just sexual it's about um arts uh, music dance it, it has there's more to it than that, you know. It's... I also got the impression that it's probably a brothel would be illegal, and yes, it's kind so of, I imagine it's accepted, that this is but frowned upon at the yeah, same time. This is sort of used as a, a an accepted cover for it, um, maybe a legal means to get around uh, a, a prostitution or you know whatever whatever that entertainment. Um, no, but. So the way it's framed and the these you know these lavish set pieces I I was just it's like how expensive is this place like they put on a show for one dude and he was just like you know a, you know he's set as a it's one of our it's our main character um Jin uh so yeah. Takeshi Kaneshiro goes in undercover um he's he's one of the constables and he goes in to this um pavilion uh 
under the auspice that there's a member of the Flying Daggers. They got like a rumor that there's a Flying Dagger um, working at this um, the pavilion. Not only Flying Dagger, it's the potentially the daughter of the leader of the Flying Daggers. Yeah, I, I don't I think, think they mentioned that in the beginning. Oh, don't they? Okay. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe right. I, I, th- I think they were just going to oh, see be who it was. Yeah, I think yeah, so. She's... I think it's when they're you know interrogating her later. So, um, so basically, he's he's pretending to be like a wandering martial artist or something. They don't really go into it. What his cover really is? Some rich dude. Yeah, yeah. basically, it's got to be a rich guy because he was he was chucking around like tales of silver to the um, proprietress. Which yeah, and like like, five like three surrounding him. Yeah, and um, so they have like a you know a set piece. They're saying that um, they're he okay, so he requests the new girl, which is their most valued um, entertainer, and um, she's she ends up being blind, uh, and uh, like said to have specific skills. So he requests, like, well, what are those skills? And she says, um, she just dances really well. Um, but you know, you, I'm watching this going, Oh, she's just going to like do a little dance. And no, they bring in like, a you know, 12 other girls with, um, uh, <laughs> Huquin or, you know, the, or maybe it's yeah, a pipa. It's the little guitars. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, they're doing a whole set of all these, you know, there's the orchestra piece um, for this dance. And it's like, that's got to be crazy expensive. Well, in the, to make it and also, Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, just in, I mean, just in, <laughs> in universe, in the film, I'm like, wow. You know, like yeah. who can and afford to go to this place? By, yeah. He'd been sent there by the police. To, yeah. To do this, so they're, they've obviously got some kind of budget. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, all their budget probably. Oh, that's my year's salary or something. Yeah, and you mentioned that they didn't talk about her being blind. That kind of raises an interesting point when she um, when she gets arrested. That uh, Jin brings up the fact that he's heard that there is a um, that the leader of the house, of the Flying Daggers, daughter was blind. Yeah. And so that's interesting that I missed that. I kind of brought those together, but now you mentioning it and clarifying for me, it's interesting to see how subtly um, Leo, um, Andy Lou's character, was setting up the situation. And it's very clever, actually. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he wasn't uh, putting his whole the, all the cards on the table at first when he first asked Jin to, to, go, to go undercover. Well, I mean, his Leo, uh, he's like the head constable or whatever of that little the the prefect or that unit, and he's in the beginning of the film. He's even reluctant to like do this mission. He's like, yeah, we I mean we got a good chance to to catch one of the. So, so the plan is, they go in and they 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 check their rumors out, and if they find a member of the Flying Daggers, they bring them in. And then they're going to sort of set up some sort of plot to let them go and follow them back to wherever the headquarters is of the the Flying Daggers. So that was like the plan. It's the but, plan. 
he, he was even like, I, maybe this is not a good idea. And if you're going to go, you know, do this plan, you got to be, remember that you're acting, you know, cause it's a, they find out that it's a woman and a, a you know, a fairly attractive one. Um, that is the, uh, the flying dagger member working at this, uh, um, pavilion. Which, which I really like, as I say, because we, we learn, I'm going to tip our hat to this at the spoilers for the end of the movie, but again, this is a very spoilerish cast, uh, podcast. Oh, the, the, re- the reviewer ruined it already, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Leo is a double agent, and so I actually really, now I'm thinking about these scenes, and he was very um, pointed in how he did, went about convincing Jin to do this mission. Because he didn't wasn't too forceful. He was, as you said, he was a bit reluctant, or, or he acted reluctant. But he also has skin in the game because he's in love with, um, uh, with May. Yeah. And so the so it, I had forgotten the twist. I uh, no, I did <laughs> too. I I knew that there was at the end, but I didn't remember who it was. So yeah, yeah. the whole um, movie, I was surprised. I was like, oh. Wow, it's Andy Lau. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the double double agent. Yeah, um, and so I really liked, uh, really liked. Yeah, yeah, it's been so long and getting that twisted game. Um, and now thinking about those early scenes and about how it, how well it was portrayed and put forward. Because when you first watch it and you're watching, you don't know the twist. You're just thinking he's worried that things might go wrong. And because he's kind of the captain, he has to worry about things like that. But no, he's actually worried and he's not trying. Yeah, he's he's, he's acting. He's worried about <laughs> the girl, cool. not yeah. his partner. But it, it yeah. seems like when you're watching it, he's worried for his partner messing things up or getting hurt or, you know, whatever. Exactly. So, um, but re- I mean, and, and he also doesn't want to seem too eager because yeah. then it's obvious that he's trying to set it up. Um, so yeah, it's a whole ploy. He's actually in cahoots with the head um the lady of the pavilion um who who spoilers is the (laughs) boss of the flying daggers also but actually not the boss like the boss is like double shadow i guess fake boss (laughs) so it's 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 interesting so this is all set up and so basically in the pavilion we have a scene where uh jin puts on a shot uh he obviously purposely gets very aggressive. Uh, that was obviously planned, and he's acting drunk, uh, and so he almost, I guess, a kind of attacks May. He is he accosts um, May, who is uh, Zhang Ji's uh, character, which conveniently ties into the police bursting in and seeing her uh, partly undressed, which Jin had done. Yeah. Um, which the, must be illegal. So it was a little confusing, that part. I mean, I understand that they're arresting... They So they arrest Jin for being disorderly. But then they also yeah. arrest Mei for having been accosted. I mean, so... I guess He's that the to find a way to arrest her. Yeah, I mean they, they were just using him. as an excuse, but yeah. So I guess that that implies the prostitution side, or you know that that side of the entertainment business is in fact illegal. Yeah. 
you know, or oh, frowned upon or what it, something worth, you know, being arrested over, unquestionable. Yep. And so they force that to happen. Yeah. But then we see a very cool scene where he offers to um, so Leo. She, yeah. 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 So the, he offers to let her go if she can accomplish a task. And he throws beans at like, what, 30 odd drums surrounding her? Yeah, they, so they, they, he has her, he asks her if she's ever played the Echo game. And so you're That's like, right, okay, yeah. the Echo game? So she, she's, her character is supposed to be blind. She's standing in the middle of like this large circle and a good, I don't know, what do you think, five meters out, there's a ring of, um, those double sided drums, like yep. on stands about head height. And so, yeah, Leo chucks beans at them and, Bounces them off the drums, and yeah, she, she yeah. So yeah, so she has to mimic it, and I guess use her super long sleeves to hit whatever <laughs> drum that he had bounced a bean off of. That it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was... yeah. Um. Again, it's it gets gets beyond believable. Uh, but it was it was showing off her skills as a martial artist and a dancer, um, and and also as an actress. As I said earlier, she does a very good job of actually looking blind. Her vacant eye stare is pretty good, but yet she still portrays emotion in the right ways. Yeah. Whilst it, it was, oh, I think she did a good job. Um. Yeah. Very very cool opening kind of scene because this is. There, this was the kind of grand opening to the film to have kind of to capture the audience and with this, wow, this is spectacular. Um, and it, to me, it, it did well. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really good set piece. You know, we got all these colors and um, it, it felt like hero where she's not flying around per se, but you know, her, her sleeves and the cloth, they just did a lot of really good cinematography focusing on like the ripples um, and just the, the ebb and flow of these uh, silk uh, garments was, was really neat. Yeah, very, yeah, very nice. Um, and reminiscent of the scene in Hero where um, Hero slices the white brush amongst the yeah. the, fl- the the thousands of black brushes, or vice versa, I can't remember which mm-hmm. way it went. Yeah, or, or um, when he sort of runs in the circle in the library and cuts all the books. Yeah. Just that, that same, you know... Well, I mean, it's framed the same way. It's this circle with action kind of happening in the center. Um, I guess my, if I had to have a gripe with the scene, um, would be the very end. And Leo, he has a, a, a basket full of beans or a bowl. And he, he yep. throws all of the beans and they hit like 30 drums at the same time. I mean, it's it's like. 500 beans or something so many and i'm figured oh you know the game's up it's done and no she (laughs) jumps around and smacks like 20 drums like who would even know what 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 was being echoed at that point yeah exactly that did go on a little long i guess it was cool that they were trying to portray that she was so good yeah sound or hearing and her ability to identify sound and timing was so impeccable that she could repeat it but again it kind of went on for a bit long 
the the shot of him standing up and throwing them was pretty cool though. Yeah. No, I think they <laughs> should have just like ended it right there. She's been like, I, I think agree. she should have just like shrugged, like, yeah, no, I, there's too many beans. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that did lead into her attacking him because during her yeah. dance and hitting that, obviously her shrug was, I'm gonna do it and look like I'm gonna attempt it, but halfway through I'll make a attack. Yeah. On him. Well, it got her closer to him. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it did serve a purpose. She basically it was pretty cool. She whipped her, you know, three meter Magic long sleeve. sleeves out and wrapped around a sword sitting on the desk, and then sort of like used the sleeve remotely to like Doctor Octopus <laughs> and try to slice him. It was it was cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be my most unbelievable part of the movie, to be honest. Yeah. but other than that. I mean, holding, I mean, you could pull the sword like that, but whipping it around without it actually being retracted far enough, it was just kind of waving. Uh, yeah. But it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, there's a cool fight scene between the two of them. Um, and again, we learn later on that this is obviously all staged because it's not staged as the, it's a double staging. We've got the police staging the fake arrest and then. We've got the House of Flying Daggers staging her being arrested, so then draw out it, the, uh, the military police army. I don't know. It's, yeah, this, it's, a double um, it's a double staging for no reason. Uh, so the only people there is Leo and May. Like, were there any of the other cops left? I don't think there were. Maybe they well, were sitting around. Yeah, there may have been a couple guys waiting. But um, I'm trying to remember because when she was doing the echo drum, test, yeah, there was a huge crowd. But they fled. But they left. They? they ran, yeah. and and then they left that room and ran into like the cool beads um, room. So no one else is around. They're still sort of fighting, like they're trying to kill each other, or you know, she's trying to kill him, and acting blind. I don't know. Um, it works for the viewer to trick the viewer, but I think in the universe, it, it doesn't make much. You're sense. right. Now, now looking at the end of it, it does it does fall short a little bit. Uh, but at the time, yeah, no, I mean, I was like, oh, this is crazy. You know, as a viewer, I was like, that's a blind girl, and that's the guy trying to arrest her. Yep. Uh, which I guess they need to do, I maybe yeah. because it to because we were led down the garden path. Yes. <laughs> we um, drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, but yeah, I guess trucking along, she obviously gets caught um, yeah. to be freed, to to set up the stage. And again, it's a double staging. Uh, Jin believes he's doing that to try and be led to the the secret base of the Flying Daggers. Yeah. Whereas May is going along with it to draw out the army. Isn't she? That's correct, isn't it? Uh I I think so. It's that was a little loose. I think in the plot, maybe that wasn't a, quite a whole, but they they didn't at least in the subtitles weren't explaining like the motivations of trailing one guy. I mean, I guess they were trying to thin out the general's troops, but I, I imagine that dude had like thousands of soldiers. You know, they they killed like what thirty. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, You're right, but it, I just but like they, they kind of glossed over did it, it. 
they did it for they did it for a reason. It was a, yeah. it was yeah, as I say, it was, they it was a fake it was a fake double fake out. Um, yeah, but you're right when you think about why the high flying daggers were doing it. You, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it it comes to play at the end of the movie, um, briefly. I mean, we'll 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 get around to that. So yeah, so um, Jin, um, under his alias of Wind, um, basically pretends to break um, May out of the prison, and they they flee. He's not even saying like you know you know lead me to the flying daggers. No, he's, he's just he's trying to be a bit more subtle. Yeah, he's just kind of going along with her. Like I'll just you know I'll pro- I'll protect you while you go home or wherever you're trying to go. And we lead to a cool scene where he um they get separated. Um, and he ends up getting his bow and shooting four of his, I, suppose, I guess, friends from the police, the, yeah. the military police. Um, and they all get taken down at the same time. He shoots the arrows so quickly. And it's a cool shot. The arrows, the camera follows the arrows and it pans in that they're standing in a puddle of water and they all just get boom, hit at the same time. And it looks spectacular. And then he runs in and saves May again. Um, and they they leave, and then it cuts back to the soldiers standing back up and pulling the arrows out of their armor because he had, was so precise that it yeah, kind he of, just like stuck it uh, you know through the the little side of their shirts or whatever. Yeah, but, and it was a cool visual shot, yeah, and was... also very very cool set piece to create, I guess, build that trust. And again, looking at it, the uh, Leo's character, who's the commander of Jin or Wind, he set that up again for two reasons <laughs> to show that he's working with Jen, but also yeah it's kind of interesting <laughs> but it is to build trust with may and so leo is actually the uh, i guess the architect of his own demise because <laughs> yeah. he's um <laughs> uh, yeah oh he does a lot of things wrong i think um yeah but you know for love <laughs> yeah because he's trying to do be loyal to the House of Flying Daggers, but so he's creating that trust, um, or fake trying to create that trust. But that trust is actually <laughs> she may believes that trust is is real, and that and that protection that Wind is offering is real. Um, yeah, one thing about this film is there are the scenes of potential intimacy. I really are very awkward and very uh, almost disturbing to watch because I don't think they go as far as full on um, rape to be blunt, but uh, it's, there's very forceful men involved in some of these scenes and it's kind of very uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Each, each time it was, it was, um, yeah, it was awkward. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is the point. Um, But, and yeah, and the dialogue at times points to that. But yeah, it's, and I guess what I'm getting at is that after the scene of, of trust building, um, she now believes that he is trying to protect her and is willing to help her. Um, and they get a bit more, they, yeah, they get a bit closer and it's a bit awkward. Oh, and the creep, creepy dude, he makes a bath for her and then creeps on her and starts watching her. Creepy dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was creepy and then made, I guess, 
worse by when he calls you out and says that I that you if you knew that I was watching and you didn't say anything that you're like um you're accepting of it. Yeah. So either way you look at it it was like yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, a little creepy. Yeah. Um I know. This like I guess the journey kind of continues on and off um they're getting there's a few encounters uh is there three major encounters along their journey yeah so they have the first one with like the 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 prefect um like the four police officers um then they run into uh the first group of what turns out to be the generals men um now in this fight scene they're in the field and um Jin uh, it's actually it's kind of funny because the the um he he finds two soldiers kind of uh attempting to sneak up on um may and he he rushes out to like confront them and then you know try to re- have a repeat of the first scene where he can dispose of them but not kill them just kind of hurt them um and he you know he sneaks up to or i guess he didn't sneak up he just runs directly up and um you can see that the uh, the soldier he runs toward is just utterly confused as to why this stranger that he thinks he's trying to kill is like getting up close enough to whisper and go, you know, hey, hey guys, it's me. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. why do you have your swords out? You know, we can just play this off, I guess. And they're like, well, we don't know you. <laughs> so they just, you know, it's more of a fight to the death. At that point, but it's um, there's a little bit of comedy um, injected into that 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 scene. Yeah, I guess this is where maybe the playing comes unstuck a little bit. It's yeah. supposed to just be the same team following him, but this is where another general has come in and is sending soldiers. Yeah, well, I mean, he said he, I think um, when, when uh, Jin meets up with Leo secretly during the night. Uh, I, I think it's after this. He's like, "Hey, your men tried to attack me." And he's like, "No, those those are like the generals' men. The generals taking over the operation. I had to report it." And um, uh, the higher ups are, you know, they just want to go kill all the uh, or no, the higher ups said that the uh, flying daggers aren't gonna believe. You know, they're not gonna trust you just from that one incident. They need to have we need to have blood. We need you you to kill like. Will sacrifice soldiers to make you more believable um, to the flying daggers. Yeah, it, it's interesting. This is where I think, um, yeah, maybe what, what the power of flying daggers' plan was to draw out this other general. So maybe Leo isn't actually that loyal. He's acting loyal to Wind, but I don't think he actually is. No, I don't know. Um, he's he's doing his own plan. Yeah, and so he, I think he might still be behind these other soldiers coming in because if if, if Wynn dies, it's not the end of the world. Um, but Leo interjects using his House of Flying Daggers skills um, to protect May, and the, because they kind of get um, they get over- overwhelmed, yeah, o- overwhelmed, yeah. yeah. And so he uses his storing skills, but doesn't use the daggers to try and keep himself hidden he uses just sharp sticks yeah stabs the guys in the back of the neck it was pretty graphic i mean for not really showing anything um oh i guess one one small point i did want to bring up was the uh these general um the general soldiers so they're all armed with like a like a buckler and a um sort of a 
a Chinese broadsword, uh, mm-hmm. like a leaf-shaped sword. Um, but I, I just I couldn't take them seriously because they'd run with the shield in front, and then every one of them had their arms stretched out behind them, <laughs> and it was cracking me up. So they're doing like a Naruto run, trying to. Go, <laughs> I don't know. It's like didn't seem like a very good tactic, but that's yeah, what I mean. showing your sword. Yeah, it's probably how they were trained, and it's it seems yeah. I don't know. Probably a specific sword martial art that we don't know of. Uh, yeah, based on. a not good one. <laughs> <laughs> it was very evocative. I mean, it everyone it, it did was. that, so it looked cool. But you're just going, well, you have your shield in front, but then your, your sword arm's so far back. By the time you tried to react to something, you've already been stabbed, or your shield, whatever. Yeah, I, I guess they're ready to strike though at any moment. Whereas if the sword was down by their side, they'd have to raise it before they swung. So, yeah. I don't know. What you mean? Um, like the next encounter would be the bamboo forest, wouldn't it? Yes, our our, our much talked about and vaunted uh, unrealistic bamboo fight scene. <laughs> I just like the idea of it. these warriors were specifically trained to fight <laughs> in and with bamboo. I just love that idea. They had to pick the best climbers. These dudes are just like sliding up and down bamboo shoots like it's... I don't well, have an again, analogy for that. <laughs> for those who haven't seen a proper bamboo forest, and well, if you've seen the movie, you've seen a proper bamboo forest. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to our spoilers, uh, these bamboo are huge. They're probably six to eight inches like thick yeah they're huge at the base so like they're trees they're not just like the bamboo skewers or (laughs) uh, that you see in your garden or the bamboo yeah the stakes these are like trunks um so yeah you can actually climb these bamboo yes um of course of course the stuntmen were aided by uh ropes and um but they were using also the bamboo as their weapon. They were cutting the tops of these bamboo trees, uh, shoots off, and turning them into spears. And I just loved the sound effects and the, the audio design in this scene was spectacular. Because uh, the, they, they would throw the bamboo, and because bamboo is would slightly hollow, it would whistle, and you'd hear the whistling of the bamboo. It was, it was cool. I really liked it. Um, what do you think of the scene? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. So um, this is, well, I guess, where we get our first um, full like color palette. I mean, everything is specifically green. green. I guess to compare well, it to a more recent film, um, the uh, Kong Skull Island had a, uh, a bamboo forest. It wasn't really a it was sort of a fight scene, but this is very similar where you get these giant stalks of bamboo. Well, like in both films, the bamboo can kill you. <laughs> so this is where we get some of that CG coming in. These, the, um, the bamboo, ha- I mean, it had to be CG. There's no way. It was just... Uh, there was definitely a combination. There was yeah. some, some or, or at least maybe like a green screen where they, they filmed it with the bamboo being thrown. Because it was just like, you know, 20 or 30, two, two meter long, like bamboo shoots that would just spear stabbing into the ground in like in the footsteps of um uh Jin and may running i thought about this because if it was cg it was very well done 
because yeah. it looked very convincing. Well, what I, I what I suspect or what I thought it might be is that the people throwing the the bamboo are on ropes. I would almost suspect that the bamboo is on string, and that it's sliding down to us, and so it can't go off target. Yeah, um, I mean, it when you're watching it, uh, it's a clear. There's a clear path. None of the bamboo falls. In the footsteps of um, our, our, our two protagonists, it's always it's like it's sort of a an mm. alley, and of course yeah. it's filmed from the side, so you don't you're not you don't see that as clearly. Yeah, you're not like you're not following behind them; you're following sort of an angle. But I mean, either way, it, it was spectacular. It's uh, it looked dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Um, very, it's very cool. But yeah, and visually and. <sighs> Have you been? I think I've asked this before in another episode. Have you been in a bamboo forest? Mm, not a forest, um, unfortunately. But growing up, um, when I was uh, in the Midwest, one of our our neighbor down the way um, had was growing bamboo in his backyard, like this kind. So he had like a stand. I guess you would call it a stand, and maybe maybe like eight or ten, um, you know bamboo shoots that were yeah. that same height just huge um so I'm, I'm i'm familiar enough with it but yeah it's uh it's very yeah, evocative yeah you mentioned you mentioned the green color and that is very intake i think we must have talked about it in um hero because there's bamboo and that wasn't there yeah but yeah the, the green color it does come across because the light is obscured because it's so tall yeah, there's there's a uh, the leaves um, the leaves the are actually put a nice yeah canopy of leaves which uh are quite light and thin and so the light still goes through them but it does change the color and it's it does create a magical light um which this scene does have uh and it's quite fanciful um cool action scene and i just love that they were cutting their own like spears yeah and, along the way <laughs> I, I also like that because it has uh it gives moments of reprieve because they were attacking and they were making their own weapons it did allow for moments of tension to build because nothing was happening for like a few seconds because they were prepping the next salvo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really like that. Um, as I say, the audio, I, I really enjoyed the audio because you see like bamboo punching through some of the trunks that they were running past the bamboo shoots. The yeah. Spears just like were, splitting them. It was really neat. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, oh, um, we do get a, I guess the, the initial scene. So may went off by herself. And um, Jin was either deciding to follow or, or deciding to like leave. Um, he's going to follow her anyway. But for, for her character, she didn't know that. So she's in the forest by herself and she's like attacked by four or five of these, you know, soldiers uh, from the, uh, the, the bamboo tops. Um, and she ends up, you know, wielding like a, a bamboo staff and there's a good like three minute fight scene and we're just like beating the crap out of these guys with it with the bamboo all, all the yeah. more impressive since she's blind you know her you know as far as we're you know, led to believe but uh yeah, yeah it, it was fun and her um her bamboo um staff gets like split for a brief moment so it looks almost like a brush because it's you know it's just sort of strands of bamboo like she's just whipping the guys with it and i think she wraps one dude's like arm and flips him with it, it was, i don't know it was cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah some really cool set pieces in the, in the scenes 
Well, yeah, the bamboo scene was very cool. Yeah. Oh, and then we get our um, our first glimpse of the uh, the actual flying daggers uh, here. Uh, oh, don't yeah. We? Yeah. Well, I guess this not far from where this bamboo forest is is where yeah. they kind of they've the got some kind of base headquarters or, or something. Their yeah. house. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is literally a little house uh, leading up into the mountains. It just to me, this feels like at the base of a mountain. Like the bamboo forest is kind of starts and leads up the mountain. Yeah, through like a part, um, of, a part of a valley or something. I mean, water yeah. has to flow through there. Bam- bamboo need a lot of water to grow. Yeah, yeah, um, and they just are very cool, as you see with the bamboo hats. Very, um, uh, I guess, Raiden from. <laughs> or yeah. or uh, lightning, thunder, and rain from the big trouble China. 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 Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, all dressed in green robes, and it's just the most beautiful emerald green or leaf green um, robes. Well, Very striking. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's like dyed to be almost the exact same color as the the bamboo shoes. Yes. Yep. So that was that's cool. I mean, yep. definitely shades of hero there. Yep. Uh, yeah, suiting their environment they they live in and hide in. Um, yeah, they just take out um, all the bamboo guys with a few daggers. Flying. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a swarm of bees, but knives. Yeah, I, I do. When I did see these daggers in the start of the, well, in the first area when you first see uh, May's daggers. I, my first thought was like, "Ooh, I wonder if I can get replicas of these. These are nice." <laughs> you probably can. I mean, they're um, they're kukri knives. So for yeah. any viewers, it's that curved um, blade from uh, Southern Asia. Um, yeah, I mean, and, in fact, I, I know you can. There's a there's a there's a couple of retailers. I can send you a link. I, I've seen some. <laughs> but it'll be like the exact same with the same pouch and stuff. That all the little like holder they come in. Mm, these would be actual knives, so you'd have to find the pouch probably through some replica yeah, thing, or because these had carvings one. on the blade, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. So I'd want the exact replicas of the ones from the <laughs> movies, which would be really nice. Um, yeah, yeah, they're very cool. Um, and I guess this is when like the the plot points get revealed and the big twists get revealed. Um, uh, that not everyone is who they say they are <laughs> except for well no i mean yeah no one's who they say they are no um i guess the only character that we know for sure is who these is, is is wind he's the one who's been fooled by everybody yeah well except uh, for the fact that he still has been pretending to be somebody else so i mean with oh, that in mind yes, true. everyone's pretending yeah, to be true. somebody else but um, we we know who he yeah. is the whole time, because uh, even May, yes, we know she's flying daggers, but we also believe she is blind, but she is not. Oh, um, and the daughter of the uh, former head of the flying daggers, but no, she's just one of the rank and file girls of the flying daggers. Yeah, um, and she's obviously a good a good warrior, and she's been placed there um, for that reason because she's very skilled. Um, and no one knows what the actual daughter looks like. Yeah, just that she's blind and doesn't do martial arts. Um, and we then, as we mentioned earlier, we learn Leo is actually from the Flying Daggers, and he's one of those who are being placed uh, with the police as yeah. a spy. Um, 
and I guess if you look at it, as I say, uh, Jin, we know who he is the whole time. Um, he's the only character that is no real reveal, reveal for the audience. Yeah. But if you look at it from May's perspective, she knows who he is the whole time. So everyone else knows who he is. He's pretending. Yeah, but, um, but only for himself. I mean, in, in exactly, the idea like of that everyone else knows. He, he's the only one that the audience is like, okay, we know who he is. He knows who he is. We're surprised by everybody else. And, and it, it creates an interesting character because he is portrayed to be, I guess, he's the bad guy who's acting the good, the, the hero. But, but by the end of the film, he is actually the one we like. And he is the, I guess, in some ways, the hero of the film. Yeah, I mean, I can I can question some of his, like, behavior and his attitude, I guess, towards women. But he doesn't make any pretensions about not being, like, a playboy. He, like, says that's what he is and he plays that role yeah you know um so it, it's interesting uh change of, of of character um and who leo when we find out who he is you think he would be kind of the hero but but, but no I he's like more of a douche it was pretty bad yeah, his, <laughs> his resentment and his jealousy just brings out the worst of him uh, yeah because i guess you could at a, at, a, at a broader view that you'd see the house of the flying daggers as the good guys just to, to make it black and white um they are trying to fight for freedom and peace um but and he's from there but he yeah he becomes a bad guy <laughs> um full of spite and uh, yeah well it's 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 his his personal wants and desires have taken over whatever righteousness um, the flying daggers represents. You know, his, his failing is because he's not doing for the good of the people, but for the good of himself. But even, even that he's not doing good at. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he just, yeah, he just goofed one. up. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he's lost sight of the reason why he's there. Yeah. And what he's doing. Um, yeah. Cause I guess I, how do we sum this up? Um, just before we get to the final fight scene, we. So, okay. So the, the, the whole story revolves around basically a love triangle. So Leo's character has been in love with May since however long. And he's been undercover for three years. And he says, he says to her directly, he's like, I've sacrificed, you know, myself for three years. And he's talking to May and she, and he says, you've known Jin for three days. Why is your love for him outweighing the love I thought we had for like, you know, three years? Hmm. And what's interesting about that is that May obviously knew that he was he was planted there by her i guess colleague if you want to get a word fellow um and conspirator so she would i guess she would know that the trust him fighting to protect her was just to trick her into trusting him but yet she still ends up trusting him um, um probably because i mean he was actually defending her versus the you know the first yeah, fake yeah, ones 
that's true. I guess you know that, but it did. I guess it escalated beyond what she expected, maybe, and to see him actually go that above and beyond. Yeah, yeah. and, and in, in reality, he does actually change. He has a change of heart. No, I mean and... he he's actually in love with her. Yeah, and yeah. she is with him. And she used to, it, it's implied, or sort of through Leo at least, that they had something going on before he left to do his undercover work. Yeah, it's interesting because it's implied that she still does care. She, it, well, it's said that she still very much cares for him. Yeah, but it's not love. It's something else, you know. But or it's yes, not the love that he wants. That's Yeah, she basically gets assigned to kill Jin, but she she can't do it and so they end up sleeping together um again it's very awkward <laughs> yeah well i mean that uh, was the least awkward of the other that scenes that was the least very, consensual very, exactly um and, but then she says she can't stay with him and pretty much sends him back to go back home well, because she uh, still cares for another Yes, which, which is. But Leo. I don't think he was but, going home. Well, wherever he was like, going, she's yeah. sending him away. I mean, I mean, she sent him away, and he's like, "Hey, just come with me." But he, I mean, he, he was already attacked by the government and his own people, and he knows that the official, his boss or whatever, was a plant. So I don't think he has a place to go back. I mean, he literally was telling her, "Hey, we're just gonna go wander." And mm. we'll just be happy by ourselves away from all this mess. Yes. Um, but she, yeah, so she says that she can't stay with him though, because she's, she still has feelings for Leo, even though she's just rejected Leo in the previous scene, which he then tries forcing himself on her and he gets a dagger in the back for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not from, from her, from, but from, from the, uh, the uh, Yi. And or no, I, I guess really... so that was the um, the real. I don't remember. <laughs> it was either the real uh, heir, or I mean, the the wife of the um, the leader, or the fake one. I don't know. Someone stabs him in the, the back. Yeah, she throws the dagger and basically says, "You don't ever force yourself on the lady." And I was like, "Here, here." <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the that was the one part. I was like, "Yeah, that was that was the correct thing to do." I mean, I don't know about um... the dagger in the back, but. Interrupting uh, yeah. that yeah. moment that didn't need to continue, but yeah, uh, I, that, but that was the weird thing is that I agree that it was awful, it was really awkward and terrible, but yet, yeah, but then she still seemed like she was going to go back to him. She well, she no, she got on the horse and she was gonna go follow. She left specifically yes. oh, yeah, yeah. to she, go follow again, after to win. Yeah, she win had changed. Yeah, yeah. But initially, she said to Jin that she couldn't stay with him because she there was still. Yeah, she she was fighting with herself at that point, and it was it yes. it, it was like for like two or three minutes of her just like debating. Yeah, you know. but yeah, um, she, but she at this point we see know, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, uh, but Leo obviously is. Very disgruntled. <laughs> That's like and, putting and it mildly. It has established that, um, and it has decided that she's rejected him for Jin and is angry. And and when she's trying now to chase down 
Jin, he confronts her um, in a very autumn uh, meadow with the oranges and red trees in the background. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, that was a, a great set piece. Yeah. Um, and despite the bad reviews talking about how they blanketed it and ruined it with snow, I thought it was spectacular that scene. Get this this whole um, environment gets covered in snow. I, I like that change. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it needed the contrast. It, it highlight the, the snow served to literally highlight the fight and the blood and all that passion and rage and everything. It's, it's set such against a, such a pure stark background. I think it would have got lost, um, in the, all the autumn colors, which was cool for the dramatic effect, but maybe not, yeah. it maybe been too much, um, for, you know, the, the, the 10 minute fight scene we get. Yeah, it's pretty badass. But, um, but basically, uh, Leo throws two daggers at, um, at May, and she deflects one, but the other one hits her in the chest. Uh, it's pretty much a mortal wound. Yeah, it's like right above her heart. Yeah. Um, and that's when Jin comes back. Um, and, yeah, the big fight happens, the big concluding martial art fight, uh, which is, as you said, lasts for a long time. And I it, I also think that change in weather, for going from the, the autumn look to the full winter look was also to show that they this bat this pitch battle lasted a long time uh yeah i mean um it's, it's sort of a nod to uh again a lot of that classic chinese literature um i think it turns up in some other other uh legends and tales too but um i know specifically in the water margin um that series of novels they they talk about these heroes having fights that go a day or two days through they're fighting for like three days, just two dudes without stopping. Like that's, that's in the legends and the literature. And I, this felt, yeah, that, I mean, I agree. This felt like a nod to that. And they're fighting through one season into another because it, it wasn't just like autumn and then the snow falled. It literally turned all the trees white. Oh, it was deep snow. Yeah, deep, deep snow. Um, some of the snow was clearly the blizzard was CG over the top. Yeah, from but the, I mean, from it looked tell. fine. Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, but yeah, so they had this cool fight scene in the snow. Um, they both getting very wounded, um, and we believe May's dead. But then she, uh, she actually, I guess, re- doesn't get revived, but she kind of wakes back up. She passed out from the pain and the, the blood loss, probably. But she wakes back up and sees these two blood covered in blood wounded barely standing idiots fighting yeah <laughs> for her one fighting for revenge for killing her and one fighting out of rage and jealousy of not being chosen um and i guess this is a good example of not how to deal with rejection <laughs> yeah don't do what this don't do what leo does he's um, he's literally he's like cutting off his nose despite his face uh, like, very, if I, I can't have you, nobody can have you. Yes, that, that yes. mentality. Um, and so now she's awake. She we get this the standoff, the triangle standoff, uh, and this really shows the character, the difference between these characters. Um, we have uh, Leo who has pulls the knife that from his back that um, 
that was uh, thrown in was put in there by the the leader of the House of Flying Daggers or yeah of that chapter whatever. <laughs> he so now he's got a weapon to throw and we know he's very precise. Yeah, if he uh, throws, it's not going to miss. Yes. Um, then we have Jin, who's got his sword, I believe. I think he dropped it, or I think he tossed it aside already. He, he does nothing. He does toss it. He he has it initially. Yeah. But then he then um, May has the dagger in her chest, and she says, "If you throw the knife to kill Jin, I will kill you with this dagger." And that's when Jin shows his true character as being someone who would be willing to die rather than let someone he cares for die and throws his sword aside. Look, I'm not going to fight. Yeah. Don't do it. Cause that will kill you. Drawing out that knife without medical treatment, it will too much blood will loss and you'll die. And he even go runs towards his attacker, <laughs> uh, which is very cool. Like very symbolic. Like he's willing to move towards his own death to protect someone he cares for. Um, and closes the gap, meaning he'll die before she can do anything about it. Um, I don't know. Do you want to describe this this kind of concluding shot or the what the action? It's kind of yeah, I can. Yeah. Um, th- this was the part of the movie that I turned the commentary on for um, because mm-hmm. I was hoping that we'd hear the director and um, Dang Ziyi um, talk about the scene, and they did. And it was great because. Um, uh, Zhang Ziyi, she specifically goes out of her way to tell what she understood her character's motivation to be. Not what was in the script, but what she was thinking of as May in that scene. Very cool. And, yep. the, and the, well, it was great because the director, uh, the, the scene's playing out and he says, oh yeah, you know, we, we wrote, because he also wrote the script. He's one of the screenwriters. Um, so he's like, we set it out to do this and this is what happened. And that's kind of why we did it. And then, you know, uh, Zhang Ziyi completely counters and goes, actually, you know, that that's what we did, but here's why May did what she did. And I think that, um, when she's talking about this, she had some sort of input and they may have changed the ending of the film. Um, so, so what happens is, yeah, they're in that, you know, that sort of Mexican standoff where there's all three of them. Although, yeah, Jin doesn't have a weapon. Um, so May's telling uh, Leo that if he throws his knife at um, Jin, she'll pull the knife out of her chest, which will kill herself, but kill she'll throw it and she's not gonna miss and she'll kill leo in the process so all three of them will die like they're it won't work out well or she's faster than him and she'll get him before he can throw the knife and leo is there and he you know he has the knife in his hand so i mean he basically has a choice to make he can well he can drop the knife or he can throw it at um Jin and hope you know he'll just kill him and then die too and then all three of them will die and I guess that'll settle his grudge or whatever you know he's like well no one will be happy we'll just all die uh or <laughs> he can do what he does in the film and pretend to throw the knife 
So yeah, he, he went for option C. <laughs> yeah. So his so the director talks about this scene and he says that the motivation for um because it's it's left open to the viewer. You know, we're watching this and we don't know. You know, he doesn't say why he doesn't throw it. There's no you have to kind of guess why he didn't actually let go of the knife. And the director says, um, Leo still believed um, May may loved him, like had some sort of love in, you know, his heart and he'll pretend to throw the knife, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't hate him enough to kill him. So if he doesn't throw it and then she doesn't pull the knife out of her chest, you know, there's a chance that they're, they won't all die. And that's what he was betting on was that I'm not going to throw it. She doesn't really want to kill me. So she won't pull it out of her chest and you know, we'll, we'll go on from there. We can move forward, you know, from this stalemate, but that's not what happens because, um, uh, Zhang Ziyi, she says, you know, when, when she's like, when I'm playing the character and we're doing that scene, um, my motivation, like what I was thinking was that she doesn't have, there's no feelings. There's no thought in her mind about Leo. Um, he's so far away from the love that she has for um, Jin that it didn't, it wouldn't she, even though she said, yeah, I'll kill you. That, that wasn't what she was ever going to do. It was a so, threat to try. To it was do. a threat to try to get him not to do anything. She, I mean, they yeah. they all had the same hope of you know no one killing anybody, which is of course not what happens. So Leo pretends to throw the knife, which ends up just being like a drop of blood flinging off yeah, the end of the of the knife of, of of his pretend. You know, go fetch the stick dog, but don't throw the bone. <laughs> and May's character, you know, she pulls the knife out of her chest, Reacts. throws yeah. it, and it. Um, she throws it in order to deflect the knife from hitting uh, Jin. And it works because the, the drop of blood that would have been the knife is deflected. And then her knife just goes off and into the trees. So nothing happens to Leo. Um, Jin is fine. And then she is going to die because she, she pulled out the one thing that's, you know, holding her blood in. You know, because we have no idea how much, you know, where it's specifically at. It's not a very long knife, but it didn't look good. So, yeah, so she's basically killed herself for no reason because he didn't throw the knife. You know, but I mean, she, for her character, she couldn't have bet on that. She had to, she had to act as if he had thrown the knife. There was no other choice. Well, the movement, the, In her the initial movement was there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she couldn't. Why would she think that he was going to fake throw it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Why would he fake throw it? Because he didn't have to know that she would react if he re- he acted. Or as you said, is he betting on that Her, she's he's, bluffing? He's betting that she's bluffing, but also that she that. cares more about him than about the dude she knows for three days. Or even her own life. She or her, her own life. life. Because if she, yeah, if she pulls that out, she'll die. He was like, oh, it's, you don't want to die. Yeah, yeah. You know. I guess his, his arrogance would yeah, exactly. stake his in. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything he's done has been the wrong thing for, 
you can't say it's the wrong reason. The reason may have been okay, but his actions were always too much, too far. Yeah. Too selfish, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, I yeah. guess I was thinking maybe he, he had the intention out of spite to kill Jin, but as he acted, he, he second guessed himself, but it was too late. Yeah, I mean, they um, even the director they they acknowledge that they left it open that way for a reason, so the audience can fill in their own stuff. That was just their interpretation from while writing the screenplay, and then yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's that's why yeah, I was like glad I turned on the commentary because that was different than what I thought. You know, I I felt mm. more toward what you were um, thinking, and you know, again, that could be like uh, our you know more Western mindset too. So it was it was, it was interesting. And as we had said earlier, it's a very Romeo, or you said, Romeo and Juliet um, yeah. tragedy. Uh, um, and I did like that rather than going, and it show again, shows the character and types of characters they are. Jin doesn't try to go fight and kill. He was mourning and grieving for her, the loss of yeah. May, um, which is how the fight started. He, he was first mourning and it was Leo who attacked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, if you want to go back to Dark Souls, it's full of that that pathos. I mean, there's no happy ending for anybody. Um, another part of the the the, the fun it's sort of fun commentary. Um, Zhang Ji was like, she's like, I love this scene. Um, they're like they're like a perfect statue. It's with uh, um, Jin is sort of cradling Mei in the snow, and you, you get the feeling that he's not going to leave. Like he's just content to he's going to die there. You know, yeah, he he's wounded. He doesn't have anything cold. else. He's just gonna like stay there in the cold and and freeze to death. Mm-hmm. And That's she was like, "Oh, I love the 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 image that they they show. It's romantic, like this sort of evocative, you know, pose." And then we get we get the same thing with uh, she's she's talking about Leo. She's like, "He's wandering off, and he's probably just gonna die too because he doesn't have anything left. There's nothing." He was ready to die earlier, and now what's he going to do? He he can't be a police guy anymore. He can't go back to the Flying Daggers. You know? Well, see, I'd imagine that he would actually end up going fighting for the Empire. Like, in my mind, his character would now despise who he lived and fought for and was willing to die for, and he would actually become their worst enemy because uh, yeah. he knows their secrets. Uh, that's what I would imagine, and he'd be a man of hate and, and, and rage. Yeah, and, and and again, I mean, like that's the one of the the points I I wanted to, or that I did bring up in the beginning, where I like the film, but I'm almost more interested in all the events before and after, like what after, yeah. all these characters, they the world they're in, I'm invested in it, and there's not um, there's not a lot of meat on the bone of this film, but what's there is like very tantalizing. Yeah, agree, agree. Um... Yeah, I, I do like my happy endings, though, so I, I do find tragedies hard. <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that ending redone um, and that, yeah, May actually killed him and he pretended. Maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe he realized his error of the way. That's another way to look at it. And he was hoping that she would kill him. Yeah, like as um, a punishment. I mean, yeah, punishing but, himself. I don't know. Um yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I I could see that happen too, which is but, what would, but, what could have happened if she killed him like she said she was going to, and he thought she might do. Then yeah, 
that that's what it would have happened. But yeah, those like well, the one guy he'll just be punished because his his you know new lover's dead. But you know he'll have to live with that and all feel satisfied. You know, get his revenge that way. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that there's multiple interpretations and in a very tragic way. Yeah, I guess there's it pretty much ends here, doesn't it? Except for there's like a very quick shot of the bamboo forest uh, mountain hut where the House of Flying Daggers met. Mm, um, yeah, and the yeah. the soldiers or the go- the not the government, the um, generals' armies are attacking soldiers. it. Uh, but, and yeah, and it's all they show. They yeah, show no, it's just like. I was like, "What's the motivation for the, them leading the guys there? Do they have a trap? You don't know that. That's I, I, that's another one of those things where it's like, I want to know what happens. What, what are they doing with this? It's a shame there was no House of Lying Daggers too. Well, yeah, I, but, can't I mean, it's, it's, that, that, yeah, that it's, it, was, it stands uh, again, alone. A tragic ending. They were it kind of nothing worked. Their plan was to to kind of draw out or do something to to get gain leverage or strength as as the secret organization but in the end it just led to their own demise um because of potentially someone's selfishness and lust and greed jealousy yeah mm-hmm. i don't know because i i picture he he could have even alluded and taught, told the generals where they were the general's army where they were yeah leo is mean as i refer to as he mm-hmm. <laughs> Or, or are they heading there and the, the flying daggers were already gone? I mean, the flying daggers were shooting. And... So yeah. this, it's, it's really open, and I think that that's, that's yeah, fun. Yeah. And that's very, I think we mentioned this before, it's very much uh, Chinese cinema tends to leave things open. Western yeah. films seem to have a direct conclusion. Um, so yeah. where, where would you rate this? Seems um, kind of great based on the style of film. Based on this style of film and based on, I mean, rewatching after so many years, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still pleased with it. I, I would probably still give it like a solid, you know, you know what? I'll go with the 7.5. Okay. Um, I, for me, I, again, I think I blurred, um, the, the Lotus one. Curse of the Golden Flower. Um, Curse of... Golden flower, not lotus. What am I talking about? Lotus is a flower. <laughs> Curse of the golden flower. Um, and this one, in my mind, I've managed to beat them together. But I think I enjoyed it more this time from what I remember. Uh, I think maybe because I've matured a little, because there is some cool kung fu fight scenes, but I think I would have been missing that when I saw it, originally saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I can understand and appreciate this, the, I guess, the message and the story that's trying to be portrayed more now so i actually i think i um enjoy it more now so i would i'd rate it um very uh very highly uh maybe even the yeah late 80s 90s no nice yeah um i dropped mine just a little bit because you know d- doing this kind of discussion about it i realized that there there are a couple of plot, plot holes or <laughs> it's not gonna if you if you watch this from beginning to end and then watched it again the next day it's not gonna be as good I just, I just think it's too. There's too much going on at the end that doesn't feel like it pans out in the beginning for for repeated viewing. Anyway, it holds up really well uh, for enough. just the first go. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, whereas I, I kind of took out some interesting points um, from understanding the end again. I actually enjoyed kind of thinking about some of those early points. But again, maybe if I rewatched it, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, good film. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, um, if anything, I'll watch this again with the commentary on the whole time, and maybe that'll clear up uh, some of the plot holes. Because yeah. you'll get, maybe they cut the film. Maybe maybe it was longer, the director's cut was more, they had to drop stuff for time. I mean, who knows? And that'll be interesting to, to, to take a look at. Yeah, there's always stuff lost in translation at times oh, yeah. as well. That too. I mean, hey, they called uh, Yi Nia in the, in the subtitles. So <laughs> I was dubious yep. on the names, you know, the whole time. Fair enough. Um, but I guess I guess we should cut it there. So we've gone gone over time probably. But it was yeah. a good chat this we'll, one. Uh, I enjoyed it. Wrap it up. Where can folks find you on the internet, Vader? Um, yeah, com. I have a link to this podcast, a link to our other gaming podcast, darkinsight.net. Well, actually, I've got RSS feeds in the website, so you can even listen to from nice. my website if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, do YouTube gaming stuff with my son at Vader Van Oden at YouTube, which, again, you can find on our, our website. What about you? You can find me on Twitter at sentienot underscore plus. You can also find my link to the other podcasts I do, um, Monster Dear Monster, um, on the uh, Twitter account. And I think that wraps it up for us. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And send uh, questions and comments. Um, we'd also take suggestions. If you have, you know, a, a show or a movie you'd uh, like us to cover, um, we're open to that and send suggestions for a, uh, a happier show. We'll, we'll, we'll watch that <laughs> maybe next time. Yep. More Jackie Chan. Yeah. <laughs> Always good. <laughs> All right. You have a good night. Bye-bye.